1: Well, welcome back as we head into hour two. Delighted to have Congressman David Schweikert with us representing Arizona's first congressional district. David, how are you, sir? Welcome back.
2: You know, um have you ever had a moment where you have been seriously thinking taking up heavy drinking?
1: Yeah, it's called 2000 through 2023. That's the moment.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah, um you know, I've, I've actually never been intoxicated, but seriously, maybe time.
1: <laughs> let me uh yeah, let me let me pick up on a few of the threads I'm guessing oh. you're sewing. Someone wrote on 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 online today. Just want to reiterate that Republicans gave up an 8% spending cut in a border funding in a congressional resolution to have a two-week self-immolation. That's accurate. That's fair to say. Oh,
2: no, it's see more than that. Uh-huh. Um, so there's about $30 billion in cuts. That's the, that, um, 8%. Um, the entire H.R. 2, mm-hmm. so so the big boy, this wasn't just a, a border wall here or there. It was the entire policy set. Plus the money, plus the mechanics, plus you know, um, the the judicial fixes, you know, language wise statutorily to lock down the border, and something I'd worked on for years, the deficit commission, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons I was so angry mm-hmm. because I, you know, I believe unless you do something like the deficit commission, there's no way I can ever get the votes to the floor. On all the things that have to be done to stabilize this debt that is growing at just remarkable rates. Um, my latest—I think I just sent you—we at now seventy-seven thousand dollars a second now. Yes,
1: sir. Yes, um, seventy-seven thousand dollars per second, uh, national oh, debt. Oh,
2: yeah. does mm-hmm. seventy-seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and I guess I'm just—I'm just frustrated because. What happened now, what, 17 days ago? Yep. Um, The handful of folks that took out Speaker McCarthy, okay, you may not like him, but is this what you expected? Did you expect us to be completely frozen for over two weeks um, and still peddling, going nowhere? And Jim Jordan's my buddy. I mean, you know, he's a genuine friend of mine. He's When I got thrown off my committee years ago by John Boehner, Jim Jordan was the first person to walk in my office and say he was there to help me, oh,
3: wow. and we were
2: going to fight back.
3: Oh, wow.
2: okay. um, so I have a certain loyalty because of that. Yeah. but we we just updated a whip list, and it's got getting worse. It's not going towards us. it's going away from us
1: I, so that's what I thought too so and and, yeah. and now there's
2: a story that to try to persuade the New York members, yeah. um the New York members are saying, give us state and local tax deductibility, double it, that would be $500 billion over 10 years. Mm-hmm. So so that's more expensive than everything. That's a half a trillion dollars, and I, I, I hope Jim would never do that to us uh, because that's so yeah, you can see my frustration. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, walk us through the processes as as you see them coming. Again, with the caveat that this may lead you to take your first drink in in your lifetime. <laughs> but, but what what's next? What happens tomorrow? How do we get a speak? How do we get? Uh, what's the next?
2: You, yeah, you, you, you have understand to be. My question. You, you got to sit everyone down, and and look at the folks who've been voting no, and say what does it take to get you to yes. Mm-hmm. And, he, and and you may ask everyone, stand up and te- tell the room, explain to us. Because what, what happened two weeks ago is we made it clear saying, it's not about the team anymore. It's about your personal feelings.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so we blew ourselves up. So that team discipline of, I'm not thrilled with this, but I know it's as good as we can get. And sometimes you... You, your next level of negotiation, you lose the entire deal. Yep. And guess what we've done? We've lost the entire deal yep. now.
3: Yep.
2: Um, and 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 it's not about how you feel. It's not about your feelings. It's about the math. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you go through that process, and at the end, you count. And if we can get the votes, you take it to the floor.
1: Is it possible we, you could end up with a Democrat like Hakeem Jeffries? Is there a possibility that could eventuate?
2: Um, I don't think you end up with a Democrat, but a number of the Democrats and a number – there's a number of Republicans and um, a couple of the folks that they've been saying, well, it's the moderates. Yeah, it's the moderates, but there's others who are – their fixation here is more money for defense Mm -hmm. or more money for national security. And their path is, well, if the Democrats will work with me to have more money for national defense, I'm going to – I'll do power sharing with them. Mm -hmm. So so they're less – uh, as you and I see, right, left, ideological, they're more fixated on a certain project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's uh, – I have pages in front of me of people asking for earmarks. Yeah, sure. I've never asked for an earmark. Right. And a bunch of these people begging for the earmarks are people who will tell you how conservative they are. Yes, of course. Um, and that's one of the great frauds here. So you could have this, where a number of those folks and the Democrats say – Let's pick a – we'll pick a speaker, but it won't be a Democrat. It'll probably be a Republican, but here's the power-sharing agreement. We get this many of the bills that come to the floor have to be Democrat bills, and this many can be Republican, maybe the leadership or the agreement moving through committees. So you can still have a Republican committee chair, but the speaker guarantees these bills will move through the committee process, Mm -hmm. and it becomes power-sharing.
1: Yeah, so the majority – the idea of having a majority is over.
2: It's over, but what's happened? There's some history of this. Yeah. The bad ideas from both sides are what move, uh-huh. because you don't have the refining aspect of the party. Sort of moves its best ideas to survive the onslaught from the other side. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have to worry about the onslaught from the other side. You move your crap ideas.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh,
1: you could end up. Uh, well, let me let me put it. Let me let's. Let's do a little political philosophy for a second. A presidential candidate during the whole effort to oust McCarthy was saying a little chaos is a good thing. No, it isn't. How's that work so far? Yeah. How has that worked now, so far? Okay. Was there I'm no okay vision? Was there no after vision of what would transpire, what could take place from these eight renegades? Was there no idea uh-huh. or concept for what do we do after we launch this war?
2: You you and I had a, the show right after this. and yep. I told you what was going to happen. Yeah. And I got a couple nasty text messages saying, Schreiker, you don't know what you're talking no. about. No. Guess what? I want apology from those folks. Cause no. exactly what I told you would happen. would happen Because I can count the votes. It's mm-hmm. called math. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm actually part of the little bit of chaos is okay within the rules. The founding fathers gave us a model to work from. If you believe the founding fathers were sort of divinely inspired, work within those mechanics. Um, I believe in a good fight with your words and and your policies and your intellect. And, you know, I've had a number of times where, you know, uh, hell, I've been thrown off my committee for being a jerk, excuse me, for being a hard hit.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: But the concept of burning the entire place down, and then at the time where the world's on fire, The interest rates, you saw what interest rates moved today. Just today's movement in interest rate is going to be
3: $14,
2: $16 billion of interest Mm -hmm. um, this year. People, a lot of folks are so busy leading with their feelings and not their brains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you have a prediction as to when we'll have a speaker, David? It's impossible to know. Yeah, it's impossible
2: to know. I really thought there was a chance um, we were going to get Jim over the line, but but there's a number of people who uh, were just um, not moving. We lost the second vote today. We actually went further into the negative. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, is there a potential that it could go back to McCarthy? Is that at all on the table? Anywhere
2: Um, you need look. um, Anything is, I suppose, at this point. Of the eight, you need the majority of them yeah. to come along. Yeah. Would they be willing to stand up in front of the conference and, and say, um, We got it wrong. You don't say there's something different. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, if five of them would come with us, um, McCarthy would have the votes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just it's not good. We're looking like fools. Part of my battle in life is trying to convince independents, mm-hmm. because my district in, in a couple of years, you and I have talked, independents may be the majority registration. Yeah. They're the majority registration in Arizona yeah. now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. How do
2: you convince independents that conservatives are competent, they're capable of yeah. governing?
1: Yeah, never mind. Right, yeah. now, <laughs> right. <laughs> right now Never mind what they believe, argument. they
2: can just govern. Exactly right. Exactly. And that we don't govern by our feelings, we govern by facts.
1: I got to take a break. Do you have to go, or do you want to stick around? You want? No, talk, I'm good. I'm You want to talk a little bit stewing. about the Middle East? I'd love to get your thoughts on yeah. the latest.
2: And I'm sorry to sound so. No, annoyed. listen. We're all
1: we're all we're all doing the best we can here. We're all trying to get through a day, David, without leading you to drink. That's the project here. Keep David Schweikert sober. Um, we, he, and I will be right back. We'll pick up on the goings on across the world. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Congressman David Schweikert is our guest. He represents Arizona's first congressional district. David, you, um, you're known for uh, a lot of things, particularly having to do with our finances, our budget, our deficit, our debts, our tax policies. You're also uh, very uh, studied on the Middle East, and um, I don't I don't know where to begin uh, as to what you're seeing going on today. It looks like the media, in 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 particular the American media. Uh, Yesterday uh, and uh, with their print this morning has helped unleash a further conflagration, has helped re-energize Iran, has helped turn our embassy in Lebanon into a riot center. Um, I I just don't know what to say. But to anyone who knows anything about that region knew that the first story that came out yesterday that this was an attack by Israel had to have serious questions all around it before they rushed to it with that being the narrative.
2: Look, you and I are going to live in a world, and for everyone listening, if you get your information from Twitter, if you get your information from the comment sections at the bottom of an article, if you get your information from a text message that's been sent to someone who's been sent to someone who's been sent to someone, take a breath before you believe it. There's... How about, how about Bloomberg and, oh, and
1: the AP and
2: CNN? I, well, I, no, no. I'm so interrupting. Let's, yeah, let's, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's back up. Yeah. Part, part of this, what, what happened is, is whether you're talking about the hospital closure, and I'm talking about so much of it. You've got to see the crazy yeah. that's coming into my office I all bet. day long.
3: I bet.
2: And it's bots. It's troll farms. But something like this, the second that, that hospital, it's a, it's a horrible thing, blew up the troll armies. We're pumping, particularly congressional offices, with Israel did this. Mm-hmm. So if you're Bloomberg, they say, hey, we're getting reports that this happened. Yeah. Well, and Israel and those and the United States government, which actually, we have eyes in the sky. You, I promise you right now, there's how many satellites, you know, there's how many high altitude drones staring at every inch of Gaza. Um. But they put it through the vetting process. They put it through the research process. They put it through tracking, and then it comes out what you know, fourteen hours later. Mm-hmm. That saying, no, no, we don't see an inbound. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to deal in a world where either um, the fact checkers, the you know, the, the folks saying, look, you know, this is what you're being told. Here's the video. You choose which mm-hmm. one do you think? Uh, you know, um, but be careful. There, this is a propaganda war. In some ways, this is what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Yep. The, there's entire office buildings. There's great stories, if you just Google Russian troll farms, of so much of the inbound information we're receiving is fake. Mm-hmm. It's written by a computer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's now begun in the Israeli-Hamas conflict. Mm-hmm. How much of it is absolutely fake? Mm-hmm. Be careful. Do not fall for um, you know the propaganda mills, which are now automated.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you worry about what adults who should know better are saying, like some of these college professors and administrators and folks like
2: now, that? No, because much of that population, it's not about facts. It's yep. about their ideology. Okay. I mean, how many times have you ever had someone on the air and you realize what they're spewing – If you handed them a set of absolutely vetted, verified facts, it wouldn't matter because it's a religion. Sure.
1: Does that explain your colleague Rashida Tlaib, who today is leading a rally outside of the House of Representatives? Oh, yeah.
2: We had a bunch of people, um, you know, and they did it very carefully, you know, all day long, people doing tours and tours. Well, they weren't actually here. They were here to protest. Uh And then at a certain time, they all went to certain parts of the building I'm in. And blocked it, and started having screaming and protests. Yeah. Um, but how many of these people? And it's either ideological, it's their religion, and when I say I don't mean their faith religion, right, right. it's their political religion. Right. Um, or in in many ways, um, you start to realize some of these people. This is how they make their living.
1: There's that. Stick with me on the ideology, the religion of ideology, for a moment, David, because what kind of a perverse uh, and deprioritized, misprioritized mind do you have to have to be on the ideological side of such a repressive movement and organization as Hamas? Oh,
2: look, we don't have enough time. Okay, um, okay. You know, I, you and I had a conversation a while back of uh, why does the left functionally despise America? Yeah, right. And... Um, uh, it, it, it's it's a complex ethos. Um, and I'm not sure someone like myself is ever going to get it. Uh, I, I believe this country in many ways is divinely inspired because we're capable of constantly getting better. And we do. Um, but we have so many folks I don't think who understand just how well we live, how blessed we are, but also how hard we have to fight to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's that, that's really a very good point. And you you sometimes wonder about what these college students might think if they spent about a, I was going to say a week, but I was going to, I think I'd correct it to about a day in Gaza City.
2: You know. Well, but, but let's even back up to something. It's just more um, easy, easy. I spoke at a university class about a year ago. And um, I basically said, okay, in elementary school, how many of you had a conservative teacher? No hands went up. Okay, in high school, how many of you had a conservative um, high school teacher? So all your teachers were liberal. And here at the university, how many of you have an actual, um, someone that's not a liberal teacher? No hands go up. And and then you think it's cool to be a leftist. Mm -hmm. Functionally, you're just conformity. You think you're individuals, you just are marching in line with everything you've been told. Mm-hmm. And that really upset the class because they all thought, I have tattoos, I'm mm-hmm. unique. Mm-hmm. Ideologically, you live in an ideological ghetto. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We, we do misunderstand this population, though, at our peril, I think. I think we do. I think it matters that they think this um, in large numbers.
2: There are some fascinating numbers, though, where I want you to be hopeful The younger side of the demographic, those who are 17, 18, 19, actually, actually are moving much more libertarian again, um, much more conservative. So there is something happening out there where I think they saw their older siblings, their parents, their teachers, professors, and said, hey, um, they're just angry at the world. They've gotten so much of what they wanted, and look how crappy it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is hope.
1: All right. I appreciate it, David. (laughs) I appreciate it. You're more optimistic than I am. You're much more optimistic than I am, but it's a good place to be. I have young kids. I have to be. You (laughs) you have to be. That's right. David, thanks for stopping by. All all right. Goodbye now. God love you. Thank you. Uh, Am I going to Mary in Mesa? Mary, hi. Welcome.
4: Hey Seth, thanks so much for having me on. Of course, I wanted to. I really love David. I have contacted him several times, and he's written me back. He's a very smart man, and I really love what he says. Uh, the only thing I was upset about was when he said we look like fools.
3: Mm.
4: I don't think so. I think that we are showing the country how the government is supposed to be run, because we, the people, are trying to take it back, and I think that the twenty need to look at Jim Jordan. It's it, this is bigger than Jim Jordan. OK, yeah. this is the grassroots. This is you. There, and me there is no saying, Republican.
1: There's no Republican part of the federal government right now, though. We had that two right. weeks ago. OK,
4: well, we did, but we didn't because I'm sorry. We did. No, we, did. No, we actually did.
1: We actually did. Mary. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Lipson Show. Dr. Owen Anderson is a professor at Arizona State University, their School of Humanities, Arts, and Cultural Studies. He is a regular with us at this show. Lots been going on at ASU, Professor Anderson. It's time to check in and talk to you about some of this. Uh, first of all, um, talk to me a little bit about something that's confusing. Over at the place that calls itself an honors college, Barrett Honors College, a whole swath of your professorial colleagues denounced white nationalism because Dennis Prager was its representative when he deigned to come speak there in February. But I saw a protest there at ASU on behalf of perhaps the most bigoted movement in the entire world, And uh, not a peep was said about it. uh, And it was all in the name of decolonization. What am I missing here, sir?
4: Yeah, thank you for having me back on, Seth. It's great to talk with you. Uh Yeah, decolonization, it sounds like kind of a confusing word. And maybe it even sounds like it's a good idea because local control is always better than some kind of big centralized government. So Mm -hmm. when you hear decolonization, It can be confusing, but it stands for a philosophy which comes out of Marxist political scientists, and it it divides the world into the oppressors and the oppressed. Mm -hmm. And so, you'll have protests right now, for example, about how Israel needs to be decolonized, and the idea is that Israel is the oppressor, Mm -hmm. and and Hamas represents the oppressed.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: And so, we've had you know nationally. We, we've had a big failure of our universities in this last week and a half who have just simply failed a very simple test, which is being able to say that what Hamas did was unquestionably wrong mm-hmm. and should be denounced. Mm-hmm. And universities have had a hard time saying that. We even had professors, uh, Professor Stanford who came out and said the, the people in Israel don't count mm-hmm. as civilians because they're settlers.
1: Yeah, I saw Professor and Cornell say something like that as well, yeah
4: yeah so I, so that word settler is what goes along with decolonizer. The settlers are the oppressors, and there they can be uh removed.
1: It raises several interesting questions um first of all, a, a basic one uh on 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 behalf of what nation did the Jews of Israel colonize that space that used to be called Palestine?
4: Well, yeah, exactly. you'll get into some really convoluted. Uh, histories there in terms of... No, I mean,
1: uh, I know what it means to colonize. I'm just wondering on behalf of what country they no, did. No, I know, yeah,
4: but you'll get... It, they'll say something vague like the Western powers oh. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Anglo-American world, some some such Cause thing. Because it seemed I to mean,
1: me those that moved in the f- 30s and 40s and 50s there were not moving on behalf of the countries they were leaving, but they were fleeing the countries.
4: Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, the, and that they the happened yeah. to
1: be Jews going to a place called Judea, which might actually be an indigenous movement more than a colonization movement.
4: Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, that that's where you see that this is Marxist philosophy, and what I mean is that what matters is that Israel is a close ally to the United States. That's Mother what Western it is. England. Okay, okay. So that's yep.
1: what it is. They happen to have Western values. They yep. happen to believe and, in pluralism. They happen
4: to believe in tolerance. Quarter, yep. Yeah,
1: Okay. Okay.
4: so yeah you'll, you'll you'll hear these you'll hear protests going on right now by groups you know they're they're going on at university campuses. I know ASU has a policy against allowing student groups or outside speakers that advocate for violence yeah but you'll have groups right now who are connected with the desire to destroy Israel yeah. Yeah. Rallying on campus and nothing is said by the administration.
1: I saw that, you know, I think U of A did a little bit better. I have to be honest with you. I, I, the president over at University of Arizona, uh, uh, Robbins, President Robbins, Dr. Robbins over there, he saw a protest like that fomenting and he wrote a critical letter and they stopped. Yep. They didn't do it. They didn't
4: do well, it. Well, I, I think you're right. And I'm I'm always have a very hard time saying anything Happen at U of A better than ASU. I understand. I understand. But you're 100% right. He wrote an excellent letter, and the the protest was not held. Now the response will obviously be, well, I thought you were for free speech, Professor Anderson. Yeah. Uh, You're you're upset that Dennis Prager might have been canceled, but now you want to cancel people. Mm -hmm. Well, what's interesting is these are direct calls for the destruction of another people group.
1: Yes, yes.
4: Uh, When Dennis Prager spoke, he said things like, keep the Sabbath holy, say your parents. Yeah. Um, he didn't say anything about destroying other people.
1: Do you? Do you have to? I have to pay, take a break. Do you have time for another segment sure. to delve into this a little yeah, bit? that would be great. Thank you, Professor Owen Anderson. By the way, great uh, Twitter X feed. You want to follow him on that as well. Uh, a lot of his stuff ends up going viral. God love him. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Professor Owen Anderson from ASU is my guest. I mentioned. Uh, his uh, Twitter account at Doctor Underscore Owen Anderson. I should also mention his Substack uh, page as well. Doctor Owen uh, Anderson. Dot Dot com. Um, Doctor Anderson, help me. You spend your time with college students. God love you. God bless you for it. Help me understand the mind of the college students that. Uh, hold these kinds of marches, the kind of march you were talking about and writing about that took place at ASU last Thursday. Um, these students believe in uh, LGBTQ rights and uh, all forms of, I'm sure, um, uh, uh, shall we say abortion rights. Uh, I'm sure they, um, they, they would say they agree with uh, pluralism in any kind of society, religious pluralism, as well as other kinds. Um, how can they march on behalf of an entity that could likely end up giving you the death penalty were you to have that kind of speech on that kind of territory?
4: Yeah, and the, the other one to add is witchcraft. There's a real resurgence of yeah. teaching about how to practice witchcraft. I noticed
1: that, and yeah.
4: I think, that, I think that's the kind of incoherence at the heart of the current radical agenda. And one of the articles I cited this week in The Atlantic was actually by someone who identifies as a Marxist, but he asked people to not use the word leftist, to to use the word radical, because he wanted to distance himself even from this kind of nonsense. And the idea is something like the world simply is divided into two groups, the oppressed and the oppressors. And they've been taught this since their whole public school education, from kindergarten up to, to the university. And so... They believe it with their whole heart, and and it's very upsetting in their mind to think that there's these oppressors who don't care about others, and so they lump everyone into either one of those two groups, even though that's incoherent view of the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, the oppressed-oppressor thing is an interesting thing in and of itself, because you have to go through some... You have to go through some very malleable pretzel logic to get the idea that the oppression is in Israel and not Gaza City, that the oppression is in Tel Aviv and not Amman, that the oppression is in Haifa and not Tehran. I mean, there are actually words used to mean things.
4: Yeah, I was at a conference this week and I was speaking with an Egyptian medical doctor. Yeah. And I asked him, were you bothered by, by being colonized? Yeah. And he said, no, it's the best thing that ever happened to me.
3: Huh.
4: And he, he said, you can remove the Egyptian t- or the the British time in Egypt,
3: mm-hmm.
4: but keep everything else. It's mm-hmm. part of what makes us who we are.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And he said there's these layers over time of, of different groups contributed to Egypt. The British are one of them. They brought schools. They brought hospitals. And the idea that you could simply remove them in something called decolonizing is nonsense, he said.
1: Talk to me about students that you uh, are surrounded by and other professors are surrounded by who um, won't believe the documentation of babies being killed and beheaded, but will readily believe that Israel deliberately or even accidentally struck a hospital.
4: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Among my students, they're very practical, meaning that I've got great students who just want to get their degree done and get a a good job. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the Honors College, and so I don't know if that would change things. Mm-hmm. But I think that is a general problem that there's a, the control of news outlets, and you believe one source because it's your site, and you don't believe the other source. And that contributes to this idea of oppression.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. The... That's something else that the, the, the Egyptian doctor told me was he doesn't understand the idea that things are done to you mm-hmm. and you had no control over it as opposed to saying you have all kinds of opportunities in your life to make yourself better.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And so he had to, to struggle and go through medical school to get to where he's at. And he said he notices that the Americans very easily say someone else is oppressing me and I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it would make you very a very angry person, I would think.
1: I would think so too and I think you put your finger on it at the outset of this conversation that there is an overarching ideology that trumps all fact and objectivity and it's yeah, this yep. Marxist notion. You, you are quite right that this decolonization notion comes from it and it's not that long ago. I mean I tied it back to what Khrushchev was doing in the United Nations in the 1950s and 1960s, where he was trying to divide the world alliances between the West and colonizers, imperialists, and yep. racists to unite the yep. disparate, to unite the disparate um, enemies of, 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 of Western democracy, if you will. And yeah, that right. is a strong toxin, that stuff. That's strong, and it can blind you to all reality.
4: Yeah, I mean, and and really the worst thing to be called in our culture is a racist. Yes, of course. All of us are opposed to racism. No one wants to be called that. And so if you can make that stick on your political opponents, you've won a big victory. Mm -hmm. But I I think another part of Marxism, though, I think, is that it's a theodicy. And so I think what else is going on is that this is how students who are now the professors that were once students try to make sense of why there's suffering in the world. And I think we all have to do that. We all have to explain suffering. Yeah. And so this answer is, I was basically minding my own business, I'm a good person, and some other structure imposed suffering on me. Mm
3: -hmm. And if we
4: just destroy that structure, then we can return back to being good people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very faulty theodicy, but I don't don't blame them for trying to answer the problem. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just that that's that's not a coherent answer.
1: No, it's not. And in the Middle East, you could actually show how to get through these deprivations by looking at the societies that offer you freedom and equality and pluralism and tolerance if you would open your eyes to something beyond your Marxist predilections. I mean, there is a reason um, that—shall we say there is a reason— that uh, gay uh, gay Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank fight for their life to get into Israel. There is a reason for yeah. that.
4: Yeah. Well, and I think you, you've you studied this more than I have, but I suspect this narrative is exactly what the Soviets have been using for the last 70 years, yeah. and now it's Russian yeah. or other Marxist countries, yeah. but this narrative about... This is why there's evil in the world, is how they've tried to make sense of it, mm-hmm. to give their people some, some meaning in life. Yes. And, and so now it's infiltrated in universities, and this is the best—I mean, it's not surprising to me, university students want to have meaning, they want to try to understand suffering, and this is what they're taught in, in all their classes. There's no—they're not given any chance to learn alternative theodicies. Right. Right.
1: They're also not given the chance to learn that utopia is a place that doesn't exist. Yeah, nowhere, huh? Yeah, yeah, by definition. Well, your students are lucky to have you, uh, Professor Owen and, uh, and uh, Anderson. Well, thank you for having me back. Yeah, I you betcha. Again, you can follow him on uh, Twitter X, I call it Twix, at Dr. Owen Anderson and Doctor Owen Substack. Thank you, Doc. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Stay close. We're going to need you. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Shout out to my friend Shauna, who's listening. Uh, I want to also thank Y-Refi, a great sponsor of this show, great, uh, great uh, company in our community that is active in our community. They offer an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and amongst bank failures and stock market volatility and inflation, their investment is in a portfolio not correlated to the stock market or the federal Reserve. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal or penalty if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, which is a due diligence approved firm and where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com That's invest, the letter Y then R-E-F-Y dot com or give them a call at 888 Yrefi refi 24 888 y 24 There's a debate I've had for years with professors and think tank types about does what go, goes on at our universities matter and it does and it matters monumentally It's easy to dismiss it. Um, It's easy to dismiss what the students think and say and what the professors teach them. Um, I show you the times. This is the result of what they have been taught. And I still think the smartest thing that has been said, I haven't seen anything smarter, was from one of uh, the Tsarnaev boys' teachers, you know, one of the Boston Marathon Bomber's teachers who was interviewed in Rolling Stone magazine about that age group and how they can believe the things they believe living in such a society as beautiful as the world has ever known. And he says the problem with this age demographic or young teenagers is that they do not know the basic narratives of their histories or really any narratives. They're blazed on pot and searching the Internet for any factoids that they believe fit their highly dehistoricized and decontextualized ideologies. And the adult world totally misunderstands them and dismisses them and does so at our collective peril. Yep. Totally true. But it's not just teenagers anymore. All right. We've got a lot more coming up. John Shattig in the house. We'll be right back.